Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. someone you love been a victim of a crime that's still unsolved? Crime Curious has teamed up with one of the top private investigation services in the Indiana and surrounding area. If you have listened to us long enough, you know that we do not seek out services or products that are meaningless to us or hold no real value. So you can trust us when we say that Corbett Investigations comes with decades of experience you won't find anyplace else. Corbett Investigations is run by a former homicide commander of one of the country's most successful homicide units, has put over 400 people in prison for homicide, handled over 1,100 death investigations, and solved 33 cold case murders. To be real with you, Mr. Corbett had a really difficult time telling us what we should highlight in this segment because he does not like to sound like he's bragging. Solving crimes has been his life's passion, and he has never done it for the accolades or recognition. He has a whole team behind his services that help him be so successful, as they specialize in things like bloodstain analysis, ballistics, crime scene reconstruction, and forensic pathology, just to name a few. When you contact Corbett Investigations, you talk directly with Tim Corbett. He is hands-on with every case and can travel anywhere that's needed to get the job done. Corbett Investigations prides itself on honesty, truth, feet-to-the-ground, real investigation work, and the strength to stand up to whatever is in the way of solving the crime. Corbett Investigations specializes in complex homicide cases, sex offenses, and criminal investigations that are old and new. Tim and his team have a reputation for finding witnesses and information that others could not. Although we hope none of our listeners ever need private investigation services, if you do, we recommend contacting Corbett Investigations and mention this segment on Crime Curious for a free consultation. Contact Tim Corbett today at 574-229-8115. You can also check them out on Facebook at Corbett Investigative Services, Inc. or their email, tim at tcorbett.org. That's T-I-M at T-C-O-R-B-E-T-T dot org. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel, and with me in the studio today is Wes. Hi, How's everybody Wes. doing? Oh, that voice. They're <laughs> loving it. We've had people ask recently when Papa Smurf was going to be back on. <laughs> yeah. And I said, hold on to your butts, because very soon Megan is in Belize on vacation, yes, yep. so I needed a substitute, and Wes was all too gracious to accept my invite. So yes, yep. thank Glad you. Welcome. Welcome. Let's shake our gree-gree, Wes. Okay. You grab what those bones. Got? Got, yep. Okay, in there you have a tiny little dinosaur named Chaz. Okay. With a crystal egg, and he's a crystal dinosaur. There you go. I'm shaking the kangaroo sack with the crystals. Oh, and I've got these my are the raccoon, raccoon bones. Yep. 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 Yes, yes. So we get all of our good juju 
right from the beginning, off, off to a good start. And before we get started, Wes, I just wanted to let you know, after the last time you joined us, um, there is a link in our show notes called Buy Me a Coffee, mm -hmm. and it's for people who maybe don't want to subscribe for the bonus content but still want to support the show. Okay. Well, we had a lovely listener send us a coffee and say, this is for, which is to say a donation. Right. Um, send us a donation and say this is for Wes. I'm a I'm also a police officer and so I oh, I just awesome. Yeah, so just so you know that has been Venmoed to you and there there is is just some appreciation from Perfect. listeners who enjoy uh what you, you know, understand what you do for a living. Right. For those of you who may not um, have maybe not heard Wes before, he is a police officer, currently a local detective yes. um, yep. in our local office. And so many, many years of law enforcement under his belt, and he's still in the thick of it. So thank you for taking the time to come in and talk with us again. And uh, yeah, so yeah, enjoy. Well, thank you. And thanks for the coffee. That gives me an excuse to go to our local Checker Records, I know. which has coffee and vinyl records. So Yes, it is a fun place. Yes, it's so wonderful coffee. I will most likely walk out with a coffee and a new record. So Perfect. And <laughs> supporting a local business. Yep, we love yep. it. All right. I have, boy, have I got a great case Good for one. you. This one is picked specifically. I actually did the research on this a long time ago for the next time that I had you on. I do that sometimes. Sometimes I pick specific cases for right. brain for brain bath only Jason and for uh, Megan. And yep. this one, my friend, I've been I've been waiting to share okay. with you because um some it's it's actually a hostage situation case. Oh okay. And we've never covered a case like that before. So I would love some um, law enforcement insight. Okay. On those, but also the characters involved. <laughs> oh, friends, you're you're gonna love it. Love Remember it. when I used to actually accompany you to the seediest parts of our county at like yes. three a.m. <laughs> yeah, I do recall that. And I was <laughs> armed with my state issued Bic pen and notebook. Uh, yep. And you had your tiny gun. Yep. And we're just busting down doors. <laughs> no, not really. We were knocking politely, but then it would get intense. Oh yeah. At three in the morning, this is gonna feel like, like that. that. Okay. And the personalities are going to feel very familiar. familiar. At the very end, we're all, I think, probably going to feel better about our lives. Yeah. I, oh, I do sure. that a lot mm -hmm. where, you know, I'll deal with somebody and then afterwards it's like, you know, I'm probably not as messed up as I think. Right. I it, on the scale of <laughs> fucked upness, I'm not nearly as far along I'm, as I thought I'm I was. Way down there. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Uh, let me introduce this little man named Robert, known as Robbie, Eugene Brower. Okay. Robert had, or Robbie, he had a hard time staying out of trouble. Actually, he was what we would call a career criminal. Okay. He especially liked to rack up felonies <laughs> like they were yeah. trophies. Okay. Okay. The legal system would, would call this recidivism, of yep. course, right? Which, if you don't know, is Repeat a tendency offender. to, yep, it's a, it's a tendency to, uh, to be, to reoffend often. And Mr. Robbie Brower, he liked to re-offend, but I want to paint a picture of what he was really like. He's a cross between Joe Exotic and Joe Dirt. <laughs> All right. So I have, I have affectionately or not so affectionately. I don't know. I'm pretty fond of it. Uh -huh. I'm nicknaming him Mr. Durzotic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mr. Durzadek. Mr. Okay. Does he have a mullet? We... Oh, there's a fabulous mullet nice. underneath a, a 
white cowboy hat, as a matter of fact, it, during these, these crimes. The business mm-hmm. in front, party in back. Yes, Excellent. yes, but classy with the cowboy Heck hat. Yeah. But let me tell you, this man is no cowboy. <laughs> All right, he does cowboys a disservice, yeah. as a matter of fact, by, by toting one on top of his very small head. It just, there's not a lot going on up there. All right, <laughs> this guy. By 1997, Derzadek is in his early 30s, and life is not going as he wants, okay? He's divorced. Um, The situation that I'm about to tell you about that he does leads to him having to sign off his parental rights to his only daughter, Brittany, for which he will take no accountability for. He says that Somebody else's fault. Well, yeah, it's his quote. This is a quote. His dumb bitch of an ex-wife made him. Oh. End quote. He'd already had four <laughs> felonies on his record, okay, for various assaults, weapons charges. And where is this fine gentleman from? Oh, we're going to get to it. Okay. Yeah. Right. He's unhappy, to say the least, and maybe his unhappiness is what leads to this situation. Okay. Derzadek gets into a fight with another man. Man, I couldn't find what it was over, but I'm thinking it's somewhere between who wore the wife beater best or maybe like, hey, bro, those were my pack of Marlboros. Right. I'm just, I'm thinking. Fight over NASCAR. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's the better racer? Who's the better racer? This is 1997. So certainly, right? But what happens, and I'm going to mention, there are several witnesses that this argument happened. Okay. No matter what it may have been over. Mm -hmm. But Derzadek engages in this argument, and then he gets into his van, he takes out a hammer, and he aggressively beats this man oh, in geez. the head okay. with this hammer to the point where it causes the victim to go into a seizure state. He's obviously arrested. Yep. His lawyer that represents him for this altercation was a man named Mike uh, Hostillo. All right. right. And, and we're going to hear a lot about Mike. Mike was a young and successful attorney in his early 30s at this time. He describes this point in time in his life as being in law for all the wrong reasons, mainly meaning he saw money sure. and status, right? Not helping people. Right. He saw money saw and money, status. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, he also liked the flexibility to golf whenever he saw fit, and he was an avid, very good golfer. All right. We'll hear from Mike later, but okay. he admits that at this point in time in his life, I mean, he's in his 20s and a lawyer, hotshot right. lawyer. He's got thousands of clients. He's making bank. Um, yeah, he making says like money, he was arrogant yeah. yeah, at this time. But even with those things being true, what, he, what Mike has here is a client who wants to claim that he's innocent when the evidence is stacked against him just to show how guilty he is. Not only did the victim live, thankfully, and could testify to the argument and being hit with the hammer, but there were many other witnesses and a bloody hammer that has forensic evidence on it. Here we are. This is what Mike Hastillo has to work with. All right? A guy's like, I'm innocent. Listen, you're guilty. They're going to convict you. Exactly. So the legal counsel that he provides to Derzotic is that the evidence is stacked against you. And so if you're found guilty by a jury, which is highly likely, mm-hmm. you're looking at a maximum of 20 years. And with your four previous felonies, the sentencing phase, so the jury you know, first decides if you're, right. if you're guilty, and then they decide your, your sentence. Your sentence yeah. you know. And so he explained 
the sentencing jury could see your, you know, recidivism, right? And you're likely going to get, that's going to be a mitigating factor. And you're likely going to get the max punishment of 20 years. All right. So he rightfully informed him that if if convicted during the sentencing phase, his prior bad acts are going to come out. So he advises Robbie to take a plea deal that includes five years in prison and then probation. Sure. All right. So on the day that the trial starts, um, Derzadik enters a plea deal and the judge, you know, does all of the right things, makes sure that he understands what he is signing. He makes very clear, you are waiving your right to a jury trial. Yep. You are not, you weren't promised anything by your counsel oh, to yeah. take the plea Heard deal. It a thousand times. Absolutely, yeah. yes. And you understand the terms of the deal in its entirety and that you do not need any help in under, understanding it. Derzadik agrees to this, all of it on the record. This is very important, people, so remember this. After the sentence is set, Derzadik Robbie Brower is so enraged that he has to go to prison. Right. That he tells his lawyer he's going to kill him when he gets out. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Mike Hostillo does not take this all too seriously. He's a hotshot 20-something, right. and he's probably heard it a thousand oh, times. Yeah, right. right? Certainly. So here Robbie is. He serves his five years, and I think I mentioned that he's not a large statued man, so I'm sure it wasn't an easy five years in prison. <laughs> we'll just say that, yeah. all right? Robbie wasn't running the block. He was not. <laughs> he was not. And when he doesn't have many brain cells to run together, that wasn't helping right, him either. Right. He did spend his entire time in prison appealing his own plea. <laughs> Okay, Um, trying to say that he had ineffective counsel because he claimed that his counsel inaccurately told him his prior bad acts, the four previous felonies, would be used against him in the jury trial and he'd be given 20 years. He also claimed that his lawyer promised his taking the plea would mean that he only got probation. Which was not promised. No, I mean, they go over it in court before he signs the plea deal. Sometimes people like they're like dogs. They only hear the words they want to hear, like food, treat. Excellent. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Comparison, (laughs) yes. Because what he's he's trying to say is, what he's doing is blending the two explanations that I told you. His lawyer said, in the sentencing phase, you are looking at probably getting 20 years, man, because you're a repeat offender. And he is hearing, oh, my God, they're going to use it against me in the jury trial. Well, no, he's not saying they're going to use it against you to convict you. But they're telling you when they do convict you because the evidence is so stacked against you. In the sentencing trial, you're going to get the 20 years. This is not ineffective counsel. This is called ineffective listening skills on the (laughs) client's part. Okay? So... It probably does not surprise you to hear that it his appeals not. were denied. Yes, no, All I, right. I, yeah, no surprise there. Yeah, I do want to quote. I'm going to quote from the 1998 appeal, though. Okay? Okay. So bear with me, y'all, because it's lengthy. But it's it gets good. <laughs> this case was scheduled for trial the day Brower entered his plea. The judge intensely questioned Brower, who said he understood the maximum penalty for his offense was 20 years and the minimum penalty a suspended sentence. Brower stated he was pleading without any agreement regarding his sentence, you know, meaning there's no backdoor right. deals being made. The judge explains, explained Brower's rights, including his entitlement to counsel and a jury trial. 
Brower said he understood those rights. No one used any threats or promises to make him enter his plea. Brower told the court. The prosecutor stated that eyewitnesses would say Brower was in a dispute with the victim, went to his van, pulled out a hammer, and hit the victim in the head with it, piercing the victim's scalp and causing him to suffer seizures. Brower testified under oath and admitted he fought with the victim, but adamantly denied striking him in the head with a hammer. On cross-examination, when the prosecutor suggested that police would come to court with a bloody hammer, Brower again denied using any hammer, but then asked, and here's the gold, quote, after this is over, can I get my hammer back? <laughs> End quote. <laughs> oh, boy. <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Despite his claim of innocence, Brower said he desired to enter an Alford plea rather than take the risks of a jury at which he could, quote, this is his quote, win big or lose big, end quote. <laughs> These facts show the plea was voluntary, knowingly and intelligently entered. I mean, I, we're stretching the word stretch, intelligently. Yeah, intelligent, eh. And the trial court did not abuse its discretion in accepting it. So he lost all the appeals because right. his counsel did tell him during the sentencing phase that his prior bad acts would come into play. He was a habitual offender, and he's going to get the max. Right. So, and and it was a risk that his lawyer didn't think he should take. So Mike Hollister is, by the way, who, by the way, also denied promising him probation only, which it said, I mean, right there in that appeal, you could see the judge actually says, you understand your maximum penalty was 20 years, your your minimum minimum was um, a suspended sentence. Um. Not to mention the terms of the plea were written and Robbie signed and the judge asked him if he was promised anything at signing and he said no. Okay, so everything's denied while he is in prison. Besides his appeals being denied, he's also writing everyone, and I do mean everyone, the prosecutor, the governor of Georgia, Georgia, and even the president of these (laughs) United States. He is writing them Uh. asking for a new trial. He wants a new fair trial. But not even the president would would listen to him and would give him a new trial. They all told him to serve his five years and move on. (laughs) Yes. God dang it. The man. Right. Uh, I have seen letters like that. I can only imagine how intelligently it was. written. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine. All right. So he does. He serves his five minuscule years compared to To 20, 20. Right. Right. And he's released. Now, at this point in time... A changed man. (sighs) He didn't find God, (laughs) surprisingly, because they usually do in prison. But he did not find Jesus in prison. No. Um, He just seemed to to find more anger and resentment. So he's struggling to keep a job, which means he's struggling to keep a home. His ex-wife does not allow him to see their daughter. And I'm not saying all this happened because of his convictions. Right. After reviewing a lot of the video footage of this guy, I can tell you right away, this is not someone who is mentally stable that you would want to keep employed or around your minor child either. Right. But love always finds a way. It, it does. So he can't keep a job. He can't keep a home. He can't see his kids. But uh, my God, he finds a woman. Oh boy. As they all do. And I bet she's a peach. Oh, Connie. I'm going to tell you about Connie. Her name is Connie Zako. Connie has not had it easy. 
I I take her bad taste in men probably to be stemming from her childhood, not not anything else. But <sighs> while Robbie was beating a man's head in with a hammer, Connie was actually married to a man who suffered from bipolar disorder, and she often had to thwart his suicide attempts until one night she and her husband were lying in bed together and all of a sudden a shot rang out. When she turned the light on, her husband um, was there lying there, as she described, twitching. Um, he had committed suicide right next right to her. Next to her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So obviously, we've got, Connie's got trauma. Connie's got some baggage. Yeah, yeah. She is, it's strapped onto her pretty <laughs> tightly. So I think that's why she looked at a man like Derzotic. And said, and this said, is it. This is it. My soulmate. Yeah. I have found him. Yep, yep. So Robbie and, and now Connie Brower. They could have been a happily married couple and just lived out their life, right? right? But instead, Robbie Robbie continued to believe that if he were just given another trial, he hasn't given up on. He it. has not. He and has Connie's served us five like, years. You're right. Oh, you know yeah. it. I told Baby, you this yeah. was going to feel yeah. familiar, yeah. right? Baby, it ain't fair the way they treated you. Yes, yeah. yes. And the <laughs> thing is, is that I have not shown you a picture of Connie and Robbie, but I know a million faces of people you've I'm, worked with yeah. are flashing I'm through putting, your mind yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. I'm putting, yeah, I have several collages going through my <laughs> mind right now of, of couples I have met. Yeah. Yep, and you're you're so right. I, it's so perfect the way that you can just see that Connie is like, oh, they did that. What yeah. a miscarriage of justice yeah. against you, Robbie. I believe I wasn't there, but I believe I that you didn't pick up that hammer, no matter what the witnesses and the forensic evidence on the hammer says. <laughs> and you want your, did, did you, you ever your get hammer? your hammer yeah, back? Did he ever get his hammer back? <laughs> I don't think so. You tell me, Wes, do they give the, uh, uh, the murder weapon would, back? It or, well, be, it wasn't a murder it weapon. It would be but. pretty unlikely mm-hmm. that we would give back uh, a, a weapon that someone That was used in an yeah. assault? Yeah. I thought probably. Okay. Do you just keep those? Is that like in your shed? Uh, <laughs> so we destroy them. We actually take them to an iron foundry and they. Oh, they, wow. Uh, yeah. It's That's pretty cool. Yeah. Interesting. I want to interview one of those workers. Yeah. The shit they've seen. Yeah. Oh. We take it. They basically come and like they come with a backhoe or whatever you want to call it. We throw it in the bucket. They take it to the incinerator and boom, it's gone. Uh, and they they can probably feel the ghosts of all the wrongdoing oh, yeah. the whole time yeah. they're taking that. I'm just picturing like it screaming when it's all <laughs> incinerating and stuff. Uh, so instead of just living out their their what could have been a a beautiful 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 marriage, I'm sure he decides that. He is not going to settle until he is found innocent and his record would be expunged because then all of his life problems would be solved. Be, yeah. They'd be gone. It is just that isn't the the four felonies previous to this fifth one that's it's caused any problems. That's keeping him down. It is. When you've got a full hand of felonies, <laughs> well now you can't keep a job. Right, you know, right. let's forget about the fact that you were probably traumatized yeah. in prison the 5 years oh, that you yeah. did. We have mental instability so bad. That has nothing to nothing do with why to do he can't with it keep a job or right. see his daughter everything to do with just having that on yeah, his record just get that one mm-hmm, off there. Mm-hmm. so he's angry he's obsessive clear mental issues presenting immediately so i'm going to take you to martin luther king jr day 
This is January 16th, 2006. Okay. All right. We are in Georgia. I told you that we were going to get to it. Yep, Georgia. Okay. And then I skipped over the part where we got to it. So I apologize. We are in Georgia. I was. We're a good old Southern I was, boy. you know, assuming maybe we were down South, <laughs> which is <laughs> right. not a knock because. No, we because love it down Hills, there. Hillsdale County in, in Michigan realistically could be anywhere in You the could south. pick our county up. And you could plop it anywhere in the South, and we would blend in yep. like we've been there all, all along. All our own lives, yeah. Absolutely. I believe there's a secret portal <gasps> from Michigan to, it. like, Kentucky, West Virginia. Yes, yeah. Alabama. There's some, somehow mm. they're able to just teleport. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I actually have some science to, sh- to talk about teleportation. It we could get there if Einstein had just lived a little longer. <laughs> just a little, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I agree, though, so... Robbie Brower and his wife, Connie, on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, 2016-2006. They enter the law office of the lawyer who had previously represented Robbie, Ah. Mike Costello. They were wearing matching camo pants. (laughs) No way. Of course they were. That's not even the best part. I've seen camouflage at weddings and funerals. In this, this looked like army fatigued <laughs> fatigues only because they were cargo pants, probably sold at J.C. Penney for sixteen ninety nine. They, but they had those extra pockets. Oh yeah, on the side. Okay. All right, so they're they've got their matching cargo matching camo cargo pants, cargo camo pants, matching white turtlenecks <laughs> with matching camo jackets. Oh, now man, I'll give him tight. this. He sprung for the whole turtleneck. Oh, it's not yeah. just a dicky. A turtle, and I wonder why turtlenecks. I'm not sure. <laughs> Especially I don't in know. well, January because in Georgia, I guess it could yes, be chilly. it was yes. But what else but do you put underneath that's gonna you know make you look distinguished? Right, that's true. And intimidating. The, the turtleneck. A turtleneck is intimidating. Oh yeah. I yeah. mean, it covers your whole. It's a condom for your neck. Yes. <laughs> it, it speaks to authority. It does. Yeah. Like, so. you are not going to mess with me. No, I'm no. Because I, I am wearing a, a, <laughs> a neck condom. Yes. You can't see my neck. What's under here? <laughs> I could have a whole plethora of hickeys. You'd never Probably know. Probably an ex-girlfriend's name. Yes. Tattooed. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Or a scorpion. I don't know how many scorpions I've seen on people's necks. Just, Why is that? Uh, I agree with a, you, though. I've seen a lot uh, of yeah. that, too. Or spiders. Spiders. Mm-hmm. Yep. Spiders That's a, a common one. one. Yeah. I don't know. You guys tell me if you have one of them. What inspired you to do that? I I, I love humans and their behavior. I want to know. So they f- walk in looking, you know, intimidating yeah, but, as hell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but classy. Yes. I also should mention that Durzadek also has a white cowboy hat on. Oh, I would. I figured that. She does so not, though. She does not. Nope, nope, nope. So it just ties the outfit together. It's one of those little accessories. <laughs> Attention to detail. I like it. They first encounter three female members of the office staff. The receptionist was standing in the doorway of the legal assistance office when she heard the office door open. But before she could turn to see who it was, Robbie actually grabbed her jacket, asked where the attorney fucking was. And when she told him, Robbie pushed her to the very last office where Mike Hostello was working. When they got to the office, Robbie had her sit in a chair inside the office door Mike, of course, is asking, hey, who are you? What's going on? You know, and he yelled something to the effect of, <laughs> today you're going to meet your maker. Oh. 
To which then Mike's like, who are you? Yeah, who the hell are you? And what man? do you want? And why are you wearing a turtleneck? Yeah, and what's with that <laughs> turtleneck, man? And is it a full turtleneck or is it just, <laughs> or a, just dickie? a dickie? Yeah. That's what I'd want to know. He says, I'm Robbie Brower, and 11 years ago, you ruined my life. Mm. So, of course, immediately Mike is offering to pay Brower. Like, you right. want money? Here's, you know, here's some money. Exactly. Get out of here. And he said, no, he doesn't want money. He wants revenge. Durzadik orders Mike to go stand in a corner. And when Mike kept turning around, trying to see, like, what's going on, um, Robbie Brower told Connie Brower to put duct tape over the attorney's mouth, and she also taped his hands. Okay. The legal assistant heard someone tell the receptionist to go to the back, and then County, Connie Brower entered the legal assistant's office and told her to go to the back of the office. When she didn't immediately co- comply, Connie grabbed the legal assistant's um, arm really, really hard and said, you better go to the back before I push you back there. Like, she's, uh, Connie's not innocent in all no, of this Connie, either, no. just so you all know. Connie Con- sounds like a pistol. Yeah, she, you know what? She's been through some shit. Right. And she is ready to take it out on the world with her husband. So she was also holding a wrapped up package that at the time the legal assistant had assumed that it was a gun. But what we find out is that actually they were claiming to have homemade bombs and they had packages with them that looked as if they could have been homemade bombs and they were threatening to blow the place up. Okay. They're not fucking around. They're not. They're not. Derzotic made it very clear that he was willing to die for his can for you know for this stand on this hill on this right. today this is his like yeah. it is like i am either going to walk out of here with an expunged record or i'm gonna or die I'm, I'm not coming out and i'm gonna make sure i kill people with me like we're at that stage okay so connie locks the office door and um she gets all three of the of the um female office assistants together essentially and they did kind of have to like chase she was helping chase sure. these legal assistants down. Herding all right. Cats. Yes, exactly. So they're all they're all sitting down. There is what appears to be a bomb on Mike's desk. Now Robbie told the office staff he actually did not want them. He's not going to hurt them. He wanted Mike. Right. He, that's who he's mad at. Yep. And he was like, "I'm going to release you in about five minutes." All right. So the women didn't feel free to leave, and the legal assistants did not believe that you know the, this couple's not going to hurt them. After holding the women hostage for about 10, between 10 and 30 minutes. Now, this is where eyewitness testimony gets a little bit funny because there are three women held hostage. All three women are let go, but all three of them gave different time different frames time. of how long they were because trauma will do that oh, to your will, brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So something it, can seem like forever and it's only just a few minutes. Exactly. Yeah. But what happens is he does release them, they run down the street. And they call 911. So that's how the police become involved. involved. But Robbie gives them specific instructions because he knows what they're going to go do. Right, so right. he's like, you tell them that we've got a ho- I'm holding my Costello hostage. I'm willing to die for this. And that I want a new trial. And I want my record, my freedom and my record expunged. Uh, that's what those are his demands. All right. He is all and in. He is. And he's like, and you let them know <laughs> that I have a bomb. I have bombs, not just a bomb. I have bombs. I am armed. I'm dangerous. And I mean business. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As they are leaving, Connie Brower asked Robbie Brower if, hey, maybe do you want to hold one of them hostage too? Like oh, some collateral, right? Yeah, like Robbie's willing to let all three of these women go, yeah, but Connie's, Connie's like, like, maybe we should keep this cute one over yeah, here. 
sure, Robbie. Yeah. What do you think? I Robbie? want a hostage too. For sure. <laughs> so, and I'm telling you this because later Connie's going to be like, oh, I just didn't want my husband to die. Yeah. I didn't want to be a part of this. Bitch, please. Yeah, yeah. You were absolutely you were, into yeah, this. You were agony mon like, mm-hmm. yeah. This was turning you on yeah, when you're you like, go, Robbie, I didn't know you were so powerful. <laughs> I mean, oh. Come oh, they, on. They, are they going to start making out? No, no, yeah. no not that I, yeah. I could find. But you know they they were all amped oh, yeah. up in there. Like I love you, baby. No, I love you, baby. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, that stuff does happen. Does it? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, but Robbie is the one that says no. I don't want any of the okay. women hostages. Connie wanted a woman hostage. Well, I, which, right. I want a pet. I you have a my, pet. Yeah. I want yeah, a pet. How come I don't have a hostage? Yeah, uh huh. So they um they release all three of them. All right. Robbie Brower, Connie Brower, and Mike Hostillo remained in the front office for most of the remainder of the day while they watched the TV reports about the hostage hostage oh, situation. Okay. They threat, um, threatened revenge on Mike. And, of course, they're negotiating with the authorities to send out their demands. Now, we're go- when we get to this hostage negotiation phone that is mm-hmm. brought, you know, I mean, you know how these yep. things work. I do want to say before I forget, because I don't think I put it in my notes, they had a mic on the outside of the hostage phone. Yes. Yeah. So they can hear, they can hear. what Robbie and Connie are saying, even when they're not on, actively on the phone. Right. And that's where they heard the first of all, they heard Robbie and Connie arguing most oh. of the day and night. Really? But they also would hear just that that vacillation between like, I love you. I hate I you. Yeah, I, I love you. you. I hate yeah. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway. You're so brave and strong. Yes, Robbie. Yeah. exactly. Uh but when when he first gets on the hostage negotiation phone, Robbie is talking with a brand spanking new hostage negotiator fresh out of negotiation uh, school. Like he literally just got back yes. and he's like, mother, here <laughs> yeah, I go. I'm not, I'm not ready for this. No, exactly. Yeah. The ink and is probably even somebody's dry. like, well, you went to a class. You <laughs> know how to do this. You're like, no, you no, have I a don't. certificate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ink's not dry on yeah, it yet, yeah. but you've got it. Uh, yeah. This guy's name is Scott Bronson, and of course, he listens with empathy, and there's a lot of audio tape and videotape out there about this case, so you you can access it, it but he, this negotiator, he does such a great job of allowing the active listening stage to happen, Mm -hmm. where he's listening to Derzotic's sob story. All right, about his life. He didn't have a good lawyer. That's why he's holding him hostage right now. He wants justice. He wants his record expunged, a new trial, his freedom. He wants to talk to his daughter, Brittany, which um, they he uh, Scott Bronson actually said is a very common thing in hostage situations. They often demand to talk to family members. Yes. Which can be very difficult because, like, he doesn't have rights to his daughter, which, and it's been 11 years. Oh, geez. So them trying to find her doesn't happen immediately, right? right? right. But he's demanding in the beginning that he wants to talk to her because, you know, his bitch of an ex-wife wouldn't let him see her. Yeah, that's the only reason he wasn't a good dad. uh, Yes, it's because of the ex-wife. had nothing to do with who he is as a person. Not and I mean as Didn't you can tell, anything to do with the turtleneck. No, <laughs> I mean it's great fashion sense. Obviously, an upstanding, caring guy. He yep. let three women go. That's true. You can I tell mean, that he cares about people. Yes, <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> he is nothing if not generous. Yeah, and we I just mean, had one, not necessarily a hostage situation, but we had a guy uh, wanted felon. We chased into a house and he hid in the attic, and he wanted to talk to his mommy. Oh, so we got mom on the phone. Adorable. Yeah, and she's like, get your ass down from there. 
get out of that freaking attic. And, and, and this dude's like 40 years old. He's like, I want to talk to my mom. I'm like, okay. Oh. And so we put her on speaker, and she goes, you know, she says his name. She's like, what? She goes, get your ass out of the attic. You know, so. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. You know, it is interesting how a lot of times our unconscious mind is working things through to our conscious mind. And the one person who can talk reason into us is the one person that we say we want to talk to. Yeah. You know, it's yep. like, oh, people. So, yes. Yeah, so he wanted to he wanted to talk to, to Brittany. Talk to his daughter. Um, you know, late in the afternoon, they bring some food in. Also common in long so hostage catered, situations. So catered, hostage situation. It nice. is, yep, because they demanded food. Sure. They were hungry. Well, yeah, you get hungry. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they actually, they freed Mike's hands enough so that he could eat. I told you he's nothing if not generous. Oh, no, this is a, yeah. They're allowing him to I eat. I feel like by the end of this, I'm going to be on... On Robbie's side. You know, well, here's the thing. It does feel like a little bit of a reverse Stockholm situation because, you know, in, it, we talked about this actually just on a recent episode about in Stockholm situation situations, you you start to feel empathy for your captor, mm-hmm. right? Right, right? Well, in this situation, Mike doesn't really feel empathy <laughs> for them, for him. But what's funny is that by the end of it, Robbie thinks Mike has. Oh, okay. So he is like... Mike's on my side. Mike's, on my Mike's side. a good guy. Mike ends up running the show. It's oh, fascinating. Oh, okay. So it is, just keep that in your mind. Yeah. It is like a reverse Stockholm okay. syndrome. So Mike's hands are free so that he can eat, him, eat, himself. eat himself. Wow. That took a dark that took, turn. Okay, yeah. Woo! Sorry about that. So that he can eat. But then, of course, he's able to free himself, right? right. He tries to escape. Oh, sh- and he's actually thwarted by a door. Um, that he went to go shut and couldn't shut in time, and both of them overpowered him. Okay. You know, so Connie's actively attacking Mike at this point <laughs> like in a time. Spider monkey. Yes, exactly. Is, Ki- is Connie big or small? You know, neither one of them are big people. Okay. It in Mike, I wouldn't call Mike um, a small man. I think he's very average. He's tall. He's but bigger little, than than Mike and Connie. Are mean. Well, I can attest to that. <laughs> There's lots of people yeah. terrified of me. Oh yeah, yeah, and. Actually, Brainbath Jason will tell you yeah, that oh, yeah. he is partially scared are of me. Feisty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think that Mike's in this delicate situation of okay, I could try to overpower them. First of all, it's two against one. Right. Remember that they have explosives. Right. Getting and blown up would suck. It really would. It kind of ruins your day. Yeah. I think so. You know, for him, he's kind of weighing this. What if, uh, yeah, potentially if it was just Robbie, I could maybe overpower right. him. But what if I lose? The The risk is too high. Plus, you got to tell everybody you got your ass kicked by a woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and no one wants that. You know what? At that point in time, just let me be blown up. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I'm never going to live this down. No, not at all. Um, so when, when he escapes or tries to escape this time, they tie him with extension cords and, and duct tape, oh. and they put him on the floor of a dark office until negotiators, we get so far into this, that the ne- negotiators are like, I, I want to talk to Mike yeah. and verify Need that to he's check on Mike. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. That he's alive. And so Mike uses this time to cleverly make it seem as if he was on Robbie's okay. side. He starts to like really talk reason with the negotiators. Like, guys, you got to give us something. You got to help. Uh huh. Really? Okay. Yes. Like, I mean, he's he's a lawyer. Yeah, that's true. Right? He's he's thinking on the yes. fly. He's like, you guys, oh, we got to keep things yeah, we calm. Gotta, we, gotta do we got you got to. What are you going to give us? Come on, I'm in here with my client. Let's start negotiating. All right. Yeah. I love this. And and the police did know exactly what Mike was right. doing, and and were feeding into it like Mike had some sort of fake power. Okay. 
So it's such a psychological game, yeah. which is just like right up my alley. Oh, I love yeah. it. But Robbie was at this point in time, he's very angry. He's nervous. Him tensions between him and Connie are, are rising. They're bickering a lot. I love my wife, but I have a feeling her and I would argue if we ever took hostages. Yeah, I don't. My because she'd be like, "I told you we should." I'm like, "Yes, Just, yes." <laughs> Matt and I could never agree <laughs> on the right and wrong way to do yeah, it. She's like, are you sure we should take like this? Or mm-hmm. y- Yeah. Yep. Yeah, shouldn't we use this? Yes. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, I, I would be, too. <laughs> Is, are you sure you know how to tie a knot? You left, mean- <laughs> left your fingerprints on that, genius. Yep. Yeah. We would totally fight if we ever tried mm-hmm. to take a hostage. Yeah, this is actually... <laughs> Reason number one why I won't. It's just, it's too much. I'm risking my marriage at that point in time by taking a hostage. Yep, yep. Um, (laughs) The other thing is, like, Mike was being repeatedly threatened by Connie, and which I just have to tell you guys, if you listen to them talk... Here, it's so aggravating. Like, every time I listen to him talk, I just want to say, you freaking idiot. Like. Learn grammar. Yeah. Learn how to have an intelligent conversation. <laughs> Every other word is the F word. Oh, sure. And because of his, you know, his He's anger. angry. But my favorite is when he just kept repeatedly saying, you think I'm stupid? <laughs> I'm not fucking stupid. I'm like, but your actions <laughs> you are, yeah. are kind of showing kinda, that you yeah. are, you know. Mike had to listen to him berate and yell at him for hours, which I think is worse than actually being taken oh God, hostage. I'd rather be, I'd rather be punched in the face. <laughs> right, like, I'm like you, God, just kick me or something. Just picture this man oh. in a white turtleneck and a and ca- camouflage and a white hat, just like <laughs> acting, acting oh. like he's got all this yeah. dominance and power over you. you go learn and, uh, today. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And he just kept repeating to Mike, "You ruined my life," yeah. telling him his sob story over and over. Again, you oh, know, and that's even worse when they tell you this story over and over. Yes, how yes. they could have been whatever they could have been president if it wasn't for the ex-wife and yes. the man keeping them down. And exactly. Um, a case two oh. weeks ago, or maybe it was a bonus case. I'm not sure. The perpetrator's family actually testified in court that had he not been a murderer, he would have been president. Wes. Oh well, there you go. Yes. Yeah, so I often ask people, I'm like, were you not hugged enough as a child? <laughs> is, that, is that what happened? <laughs> I think that this is maybe maybe what happened to good old Robbie. <laughs> Derzotic here. He just, oh gosh. At one point, he comes into the office and was going to make Mike swallow all the keys for all of the places that he lived. Because okay. he had to move so frequently. Which because was someone of, else's fault. Well, right. Not, you know, because of all of his felony, his fifth felony that Mike the helped him one. get. Not the, not other, the four. other four. Not the previous four. Just that fifth one. And so all the places that he's lived since um, getting out of prison, he, which has been about five years right. now. Okay. It, it took him five years to of get, anger, resentment, right. obsession. Well, planning. To, yeah, of course. Yeah. New wife. New wife. Right. I mean, that stuff he takes He had to court time. Connie. That took a little while. It did. It did. Especially got to work through her trauma. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's certainly. Um, and he was going to make Mike swallow every one of those keys so that Mike could also endure the pain that he has had to, to by living in all these places. I pass a key. I like actually when little kids eat pennies. Same, right. I had the same thought. I would think that maybe some you could. It depends on how big a key <laughs> we're talking. It depends on how it's cut, yeah. Right, and how big's Mike's asshole? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm just not sure. 
Yeah, no disrespect, Mike. No, but, yeah, we just, we don't know. Right. Don't, yeah. Inquiring <laughs> minds just want yeah. to know these things. Um, yes. So he luckily didn't have to swallow good, any of the good. keys. These are just some of his threats that right. he was making. Okay. And as the night goes on, this ends up being a 24-hour hostage situation. Okay. But as the night goes on, his demands start getting increasingly weirder and weirder because his his mental Does he stability. Ask for a helicopter yet? Oh, he wanted he did <laughs> want a helicopter at one point. Yeah, and the negotiators are doing a great job of just like telling him they aren't making him promises, but they are trying to get him to to see reason and feel heard. Right. The feeling heard was a big thing. Yeah. Um, we end up going through three hostage or three negotiators okay Okay. because 24 hours that's yeah exactly people's your mental stability wears down and when you when you hear this guy talk as a negotiator you can only talk to him for so long before you feel that your brain cells are in jeopardy right right and then also just the that natural human anger i mean just some of the snippets that i heard i was like oh my god jerzotic i can't stand you like how did people keep their cool talking to you and not just be like, right. please, please, Darwinism. Can I come Take, in and blow myself up? Yes. <laughs> like, this is awful, man. You, Where are you on the evolutionary right, chain? Right. You are such, yes. you're so far off it that there's oh, not yeah. even a place for you on the spectrum anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's worse that cavemen would have looked at him and been like, dude, you're giving us a bad reputation. Essentially, Mike is like, I realized when we started the, the negotiations with the Georgia Bureau of, of Investigators, when we started those and I was listing his, or he was listing his list of demands, he realizes this isn't just an angry man. This is a mentally unstable right, man. Right. Because number one, um, he listed, he like, he listed 10 people that he wanted to be able to kill. This is all throughout the, the negotiations. Right. Okay. There's not a good script that I could find to tell you. The whole, right. I mean, this is 24 hours yeah, of footage, you know, long, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But when he first expressed his demands, one of, it was that he's got a, a, a list. 10, kill list. yep, okay. a kill list. Number nine on the list was Michael Jackson. Oh. I, I mean, what, 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 what Mikey do I you? I say, what Mikey, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number 10 was George Bush. Okay. So, which, you know, I mean, a lot of people want to kill the yeah. president. It's awful. Like, don't do that, though. But why Michael Jackson? Well, I, but exactly. I'm sure he probably thought his music was the devil. Could be. All right. Well, this yeah. is a tiny white man from Georgia. Plus, Mikey was a little handsy, allegedly. Right. So, well, and this is, yeah, this is yeah, 2006. 2006. So, would that have been about the time that I those allegations so. were coming out? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he bad touched the Home Alone kid. Maybe right. that was the reason for maybe because maybe he loves him some Macaulay Culkin. There you go. Yeah, I don't know, but I I know that at that point Mike gave an interview that was like, yeah, it was at the point we got to Michael Jackson that I realized he's not <laughs> things are yeah. yeah yeah somebody having the president on their kill oh, sure. list. People mm. throw that on, but Michael sure, Jackson, but Michael Jackson, yeah. all right. And he also said that he noticed there was like this glazed look in his eye. You know uh, that far away. Yeah. We we know all too familiar. Yes, with yeah. that uh glazed look. And the interesting thing about Mike Hostillo is that he actually is the son of a career Marine and a Vietnam veteran. Okay. And his mother is a Japanese survivor from the bombing of Hiroshima. Oh, geez. Yeah. So Mike comes from what Mike I... Mike comes from pretty tough stock. Yes. Yeah. Resilient yeah. stock, right? And so I think that that even 
brings into how he's able to keep himself calm enough to get that right opportunity to get the upper hand. Sure. Now, things do get worse for the police when they gave a press conference at like, four, I think it was 4 p.m. or something like that. And of course, the press make Robbie sound like a madman oh. and his tiny little man feelings got hurt. He want and he now he's mad now and he's he pissed. is demanded that they clear it up that he is not a crazy hostage you know taker right. he just wants justice just wants like justice. why won't you see this for what it is yes I've told you that I've got bombs in here I'm willing to d- and I kill. kill Michael Jackson yes I and and my wife right. myself this Mike guy because it's all his fault it's that I'm his, a felon right. and you know. Five time felon. Right. What is what's not sane about that? Yeah. I mean, what what can you people not and see? So the news is like this dude is nuts. Absolutely. And they're they're bringing up his prior bad acts. They're bringing oh. up his history, right? And they're they're laying it out like it is. Like this is a dude. This is not helping. And and not to mention the fact when you take people hostage, people you're not sane. You're not no, going to no. be seen yeah. by society yeah. as a, a sane. Right. No. And, and your demands just don't make it, I mean, forget the kill list, but just your demands in general of, I want my record expunged. I want my freedom and I want a new trial. Yeah. Well, hold on. Right. Right. So 12 hours in a new negotiator, um, Lieutenant Andy Carrier comes in. Okay. Robbie's on edge at this point because now they have to build new trust and rapport with this new negotiator. Right. He says, I want a judge to sign a letter saying that I can have a new trial. And so the negotiator's like, okay, well, Listen, I can't just go knocking on doors and right. getting a judge to, you know, sign this. And he's like, I need you to kind of give me something here. I need you. How about you bring out a duffel bag with some of the weapons? We've got to have a good faith exchange yeah. before I'm going to have give a judge so, yeah. sign. Yeah. If you want something from me, I want something from you. And you're not giving me Mike. So give me some, a duffel bag with some of the weapons. <laughs> and he's like, listen, all right, I will give you this duffel bag with some weapons. But you just remember, I am not stable. I am under a lot of stress. <laughs> I am tired and I am wired. <laughs> That's what he that said. That's what he I said. I am tired and I am wired. That is a direct quote. Woo! Yes. <laughs> I would have edited it with that. I am tired and I'm wired. Then like, woo! Just an old, yeah. Because we're like 13, 14 hours in at this point in time. Any drugs on board? Is that ever no. discussed? No. No. Listen, I can throw you more of a bone if you've got a drug addiction. Yeah, but this yeah. man doesn't even have he's that. Even have, he's just he's Mm-mm, he's just up angry. Up crazy. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. He is tired and he is wired. <laughs> and you know what? I think I'm going to start saying that after a oh, couple yeah. of cups of coffee. Yeah, I'm tired listen, and I'm wired. Listen, and I'm like under said, a lot of stress. <laughs> yeah, every time. It's just going to be right. a new Who thing. wants some? Woo-hoo! <laughs> yes, exactly. I can see it now. It's going to become our new motto. Yep, yep. tired and wired. Tired and I'm wired. Yeah, yeah. That was where, that was his direct quote. I, love I it. and he admits he's I'd not like stable. I like to have that on a t-shirt. Right. I am not stable. <laughs> I am under a lot of stress. I am tired and I'm wired. <laughs> that says it all. Oh man. Mm-hmm. So, this is where Mike's savvy comes into play. As he is also negotiating right. with the police for his own, own hostage, hostage situation, yeah. by that the way. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know what? I, I'm gonna like I, I'm I'm gonna talk to them because my next door neighbor is a is a judge. He's a lawyer, oh, a lawyer. who now actually turns into a judge. Okay. Yes. So um love love it, Bennett. 
is turns into an attorney, but or, or a judge. But at this point in time, he is an attorney. Okay. But he's not a trained negotiator. Okay. Just so you know, he actually is a next door neighbor to Mike. So he's like, let's get Lovett Bennett on the phone, and let's start negotiating start with him. Start working on this. Yep, yeah. yep. Like Robbie, I'm gonna get you an attorney that you can trust because obviously I sucked. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I was awful. So let's get him on the phone. And what's ironic is that Lovett Bennett uh, gives a, an interview and he's like, listen, I am not a trained negotiator. I read one article about two months before this happened <laughs> about hostage situations for no reason. He was probably sitting on the can right, when he right. did it. Like, you oh, know? I'll read this. Sure. Yeah. And he's like, I learned that you don't ever use the words like kill, death, harm. You know, don't right. subconsciously put yeah. those You're thoughts in there. You're not going to kill anyone, right, are you? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> now that you say that, it sounds yeah, like a good idea. I wasn't going to. Right, but. right. So he's like, that's the only thing he remembers from the article. <laughs> Don't say kill. Don't say anything <laughs> about that. Um, and so so he gets on the phone. And um, that is who he starts talking first with Mike and then with Robbie. And they start to like figure out, like it looks like they're all in it together. Okay. Like love Everybody. it is helping Mike and Robbie, and this is you know this is all going to be okay. As I mentioned before, Connie is in this just as much as as right. Robbie is, and she actually pissed is me she off. She's still a mad lot. because she doesn't have her own hostage. Probably, she kind of got over that. Probably, you know, and you know what I think it boils down to? It turns into this like power struggle almost. Like she wants to be seen as I. I have authority here too. I'm yeah. not just the little woman, okay? Right. That's here just to cater to to get the food. Did now, now that right. Mike especially is really like taking the there's a power shift. Yeah. You yep. know. So when you listen to different audio with her talking, she starts like getting really aggressive with the negotiators, and she's like, you know what. You know what? She'll grab the phone right from Robbie. Oh, take it from him? Yes. Oh, my and is God. Like, to the negotiators, and she's like, your attitude needs to change. That is not how you speak to See, us. Like My wife will be like, hey, you need to call, let's say, you need to call the cable company, right? I'm like, fine, I'll call the cable company. But the whole time she's over there going, tell him this, tell him that, tell him this, tell him that. I can see that. Yes, like, and aren't you like, why didn't yeah, you call the cable tell company? Tell him I want a helicopter. Yeah, well, do you know some? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's exactly what was going on. <laughs> oh, here. my God. And she was full on taking the phone and berating the <laughs> negotiators. And she's just like. You need to change yes, your attitude. You, nope, we are hanging up right now <laughs> because you are not going to talk to us like that. I wonder that. when she hangs your up. Your attitude. Oh, Robbie's like, God damn it, right. woman. I had him where yeah. I wanted him, Connie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, you I was just up. close. Come on. This was my favorite. <laughs> my favorite. She actually gets on, tells him, tells the negotiator, your attitude needs to change, and then says, read your manual. That is not how you talk to me. Read your manual. We are done for the night. So, yeah. Connie got on she's the like, World Wide Web, and she's like, hostage negotiation. Negotiation yep. manual. Yes. This is not what you learned in negotiation 101. You do not talk Took to me like while, that. Took her a little while because she has to read out loud and yes. sound out the words. But exactly. she, yeah. uh, then, <laughs> then she tells them, because they are 17 hours in, oh, yeah. and they are asking for the, the weapons <laughs> at this point in time. Like, okay, we've got this lawyer that's going to write this stuff up for you and take it to a judge to sign for a new trial. We want all the weapons. Yep. All right? And after she's yelling at him about, you know, the, the manual their and their attitude, attitude the manual, yeah. she's then you need to get patience. You have no patience. We are going to be done for the night because you have no patience. <laughs> Bitch, we are 17 <laughs> hours 17 in. 17 hours, yeah. What? 
tell me one thing that you can do for 17 hours straight besides sleeping that, yeah. that you don't get sick You're of. You're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And don't even say sex because no, no one's that having that. No. no. I'd no. be like. Uh, mm. No, 15 minutes. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't done enough yoga for yeah, this today. Yeah. So let's. We're going to need to take a little break. Let's go. Yeah. No, 17 hours have passed and she's telling them to get more patience, <laughs> which so she annoyed the piss out of oh, me in this imagine? whole situation. I know like, uh, I mean, I've thrown stuff and I just, I imagine the negotiations are like, oh, they're snapping pencils. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Because they feel that they are also being held hostage oh, by yeah. two people who have got to be some of the most unintelligent oh, yeah. people they have Dumb dealt with. Dumb people will exhaust you. They, they do. That's oh. why they still run the world. Oh, it's you know like, that, right? Because the smarter people are just like, I can't. Yeah. I can't yeah. engage with you. You, you exhaust this, yeah. me. You realize this is time I can't ever get back. Ever. No. <laughs> Uh, I'd rather watch an, an episode of Jersey Shore on repeat. I'm, I'm not a fan of reality no. TV. No. Oh, God. But I, then, oh. Deal with, then deal with this, yeah. okay? Uh, and sorry for any Jersey Shore fans that I may have offended. It's just not my bag. But Cabs is here. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Jersey Shore impression. <laughs> I'd, I'm, I'm not into reality TV because it's not real anyway. Yeah. Oh, my, but my wife loves it. I, I, and I'm not knocking It sounds like I'm knocking them. I love my wife to death. Oh, of course. She, but she's a huge yeah. reality TV A person. lot of people do. It's a good way to like to unwind oh, and to then to be entertained. And, which is the whole reason it's it was entertaining, created. But, yeah, yeah. but it's not real. No. It's not reality. It is not. It is not. But it, I can see how it could be entertaining. Yeah. Sure. But for me and... The job that I do as a social worker, there's just, I'm like, nah, I deal enough with this. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't need to keep going. Um, yeah, so after like 18 hours, Mike and the attorney, Mr. Uh, Bennett, convince Robbie Brower to surrender, yeah. claiming that the FBI... Ooh, got the big boys involved. Well, they only give the little guys so much time to negotiate. And if they're not successful, then they take over and it's going to become a federal case, which means a bigger sentence, Robbie. You don't want this. Nicer prisons from what I understand. Sure. But a longer sentence. Longer sentence. Yeah. Yeah, You don't want it to be you. And they're like, you don't want this in the hands of the feds. Like, come on. You know, we're on a time. We're on a time crunch. They come in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which also, by the way, is not true. Right. But they, you know, (laughs) they're they're letting him believe that. So 6 a.m. January 17th, they attempt to come out. (laughs) Attempt. Attempt. The negotiator is, this is what it was described as. The negotiator does not have a chance to effectively communicate with the surrounding SWAT team. Oh. Okay. So what the the negotiator really wanted to tell the SWAT team is tread lightly. Correct. All right. She's already upset about our patients. And, you know, don't talk to me like that. We They want the power, right? You don't. You don't come at me. I'm the one coming at you, right? So really the negotiator wanted to have a moment with SWAT to say, hey, let's be, let's let's tread this like we're trying to catch a scared kitten. Yeah. All right. Which they, yeah. Most of your goon squads are not that. No. No. And they they behave exactly as you would expect (laughs) them to. All right. So we've got these, the three hot, you know, we've got um, Connie and... Robbie and Mike is in the middle. Okay. And they're all, they come out with their hands up, but they're all forcing Mike to hold each of each one of their hands. All right. Okay. So both of Mike's hands are up and the other kid, the other kids, the other people have their hands up, but they're holding each holding onto Mike's hand. 
They go into the middle of the street, and the SWAT team starts demanding that they get on their knees. It's very intense. They do get on their knees. But this causes Robbie to panic. He's a mentally unstable sure, man sure, and has been up sure. for 24 hours. And in at my this experience, point. it's like, get on your knees, hands up, down on the ground, stand up, don't look at me, look at me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Every, Pray to Jesus. Everybody's yeah. yelling something different. Uh, yeah. And that's exactly <laughs> what was happening. So he, he panics. Where he panicked, and I found this interesting too, but the way the human brain works is that when they were on his knees, and I, I like that you're just like, everyone's giving different demands. Yeah. When they were on their knees, they also told them, to cross their legs behind their oh, back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. Robbie can't physically do that. Oh, and so legs? He or? panicked. I don't think he's been doing his yoga. <laughs> you know what? What is it in Zombieland rule number, like, whatever? Cardio. Where, rule yeah. number cardio. And stretching. Yeah, yeah. He you always gotta stretch, has the, cardio, the stretching. Yeah. So he's not flexible enough to do this with his calves, and he panics because uh, I think he's afraid he's going to be shot at if he doesn't comply he with doesn't every order. Crosses, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he then grabs Mike by the neck, and at the same time that he does that, a SWAT goon fires a shot and misses. So you know that's not going to go well, right? Now we're all mad. We're all mad. And so he's got Mike by the neck, pulls him down on top of him, using him as a human shield, naturally. Then he stands up with Mike, still using him as a shield, and they get back at the building. And you can only imagine what the negotiator, but he got right on the horn. And he's screaming, you could have shot my wife. You could have shot my wife. He is just all of the things that he's screaming and demanding. And he was like, you know what? That's not, you want war? You got war now. Now it's all. All right. My favorite quote at this point in time is when he says, if you kill me, there will be war. And I'm thinking, honey, Mm. if they kill you, it's over, actually. If they kill you, you're dead. But that's how delusional he is in this moment. Um, And he's like, you guys have until 8 a.m. He is screaming it, much like how a two-year-old who knows that they've lost control Yeah, but they're like, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, this is it. Yep. And so now... This is we've you've got till eight a.m. to give now me what Connie? I want. Where's Connie? Connie make it back in the house? Oh in yes, the biz- she building? is. She's back in the building. Okay. She's back in the building, and she is yelling at them. I am not stupid. Which I'm wondering if stupid means something different in Georgia, because from where I'm sitting, they both look. Yeah, well, most stupid people will tell you they're not stupid. Right, right. Whereas I'm pretty willing to admit there are yeah. lots of things that I'm pretty I, ignorant like, I about. Yeah, oh, I don't know how to do ooh, this. Not yeah. sure. Not sure. So Mike Castillo went walking with arms up, or excuse me, Mike Castillo talks about how when he went out walking with arms up, you can so tell the difference between me talking and remembering this case and me reading my stupid notes here. But um, he was talking about how when he walked out there, he's like, this is it. This is how I'm going to die. Yeah. They're going to, I'm going to get caught in crossfire or Robbie himself is going to let an explosive off. Because, of course, he's making threats that in these camo pants that he has all kinds of weaponry. Pockets, yeah. You know, I mean. Who doesn't like cargo pants? I'm thinking at most he had snacks. But, I don't know. I love cargo pants. For the reason that you can carry. Yeah, you can carry a lot of shit. white man's dream. Absolutely. (laughs) And you'd want to know what? It's a middle-aged white woman's dream to have her husband wear them because hold my phone honey hold my chapstick hold my car keys with the anal beads on them you know those oh yeah yeah. cute beads (laughs) yeah i'm like yeah uh yeah 
I don't have any. Yeah. No, but those a car, a car keys. And I'm like anal on your, and, car, on your keys? car keys. That is what they look like. Though. I do. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I know what you say. Yeah. The the if you guys don't know what we're talking about, there's like these rubber keychain things um, that you can got, put yeah. on your car keys to make. I have them on my keys actually to make it easier for me to find them in my purse. Yes. But my but they husband, are very similar to. They do have that that spherical smooth yes. shape to yep. them. And so my husband refuses. He un- he unhooks them every time he's in charge of the keys because he's like, no, I'm not going into the grocery store with, with anal beads around <laughs> hold anywhere on my body. It's not happening. Uh, I'm like, you're too sensitive. Come on. It's fun. Have fun with it. Just have fun, yeah. Gosh. The elderly checkout lady, just wink at her when you bring them out. He's, come on, man. Live a little. Take them out and be like, real slow. <laughs> Feeling everyone. Yeah. Well, 24 hours in, Wes, they surrender. Okay. All right, because the negotiator himself, Mr. Carrier, he agrees, swats off. I will be the one to walk into the street. We did. We did. You're right. They were too aggressive. Somebody probably wasn't on SWAT too long after that. (laughs) I'm probably not. I mean, to be honest, yeah, probably not. They described it as a miscommunication, but uh, you know how those things go. Oh, yeah. So the negotiator is like, I will be the one. I'm going to walk out into the street with you guys with also um, the attorney. I think the attorney was there, but they didn't, he didn't have to Mm -hmm. come up with them. But, and he tells Robbie, I'm going to shake your hand before I put it in handcuffs. Oh, okay. Okay. Like a a respect. That's a boss move. Yeah. It's a a mutual respect. You're giving up. And, you know, we've got these terms. Mr. Mr. Lovelet has, has let you know that, you know, we're going to try to get you a, a new trial. People, that's not true. Right. He's been, that we can't it's get him a happen. new, no, yeah. no. But they, he's finally willing to, to do that. And he does. He walks out. All three of them walk out. They are not holding Mike at this point in time. They all walk out almost as like equals. Okay. They did take off their camo jackets. Still got the turtlenecks though. Still got the turtlenecks so still on. Good. Absolutely looking spelt for the cameras. And they've got their um their fatigues, their cargo pants on. And they come out and he does shake Robbie's hand. Mr. Carrier does shake Robbie's hand before putting it in handcuffs. The, the reaction, the aftermath here, you know, Connie's sister talked to the press and said, yeah, we were all pretty shocked to see my sister on the news uh, that she was holding someone hostage <laughs> because Connie had no previous record. At all. No. Really? No. Here she is like 37 years Never old. Never been in trouble. No. Nope. I'm, or maybe she's in her early 40s. Sorry. She's in her. Or, she. I'm sorry. She's 44. Yep. At this point in time, Robbie is 45. She's 44. Never, yeah. Had never been in trouble before. And actually, <laughs> her sister, whose name was Mary Yolanis, says, quote, our mother had died the year before, and my family all agreed it was a good thing she wasn't here to see this, <laughs> end quote. Like, yeah. Yeah. And actually, Mary said, you know, she never really liked Robbie. He was an angry man. He was, he, in that much was very obvious. Right. Even before talking about how he was just angry. He wasn't just angry at Mike Costello. He was angry at everybody. everyone. Everybody. The whole world. Yeah. Yep, exactly. But Mary says, I firmly believe that Connie went into that law office that day to keep her husband from getting um, himself killed because she had already been through one husband right, that's true. being killed. She's like, well, I can't let 
or killing. I mean, can't let Robbie get killed. And here's because he's kind of a dumbass. Absolutely, that's just it. If I don't go Mm -hmm. with him, he's going to get killed. Yep. And she has. She had already survived one husband completing suicide. And Robbie was very, very clear that he was willing to die by suicide by cop. Essentially, is what this is for this cause. And so she didn't want to see it happen a second time. So, all right. I'm going to throw Connie that one I'm gonna bone. Give her that bone. I'm yeah. going to give her that. But when when we get mob mentality going on in there and all of a sudden she's taking over like she's got the big right, dick energy. Right, right. I was just like, Connie, honey, yeah. whoa, you D- didn't dial it back. You weren't just sitting there and like a little mouse <laughs> yeah. in the corner making sure he didn't <laughs> die. You took an active part in this. Um, yeah. So in 2008, Robbie Brower, who was 45 at the time, was sentenced to 85 years in prison. He could have. He'd already served his five he years. He probably was Wes. off his probation too. Yes, like yes, because it was eleven yeah. year, or it was five, five years, years after, after his release. Absolutely, he could have just. This is the is a perfect example of how we are one choice away from a different life. Oh yeah, yeah. like you didn't need to do this. Now Connie, who was forty four at the time, got sixty five years, but she will likely see parole eventually because she didn't have a prior criminal yeah. history. And as long as she doesn't shack herself up with another man who wants to take people hostages, she's more than likely she not gonna. Yeah. And she never harmed anybody. Right. I mean, and, and here's the real truth of it all. There were no actual weapons. There was no actual weapon. No, no. So the charges were for, um, whatever the, I, did I write it down? We might get to it, but it was instead of, you know, having an actual weapon, it was the disguise Disguise, of a weapon, um, making people believe Believe that you had had one, which is just as scary and traumatizing. Okay. So it's still serious. You don't know. Yep. Yep. Um, before judge Pede handed down the sentences, both Robbie and Connie Brower took the stand. Connie said, I would like to apologize. I now know that the way we went about it was wrong. I didn't realize how far it was going to go to be of this magnitude. I've never been in trouble before. I've never done anything like this, but I always stuck by my husband no matter what. Ride or die. Mm, Connie is ride or die. You know, and there are probably men out there that are like, damn, you know, it wouldn't be bad to have me a woman like Connie, just faithful to the end, no matter how stupid of a plan I have devised. (laughs) Now, Robbie Brower asked the judge to be merciful in sentencing his wife. And actually said, this was my fault and I involved her. Uh, Only accountability you'll ever see the man take. But then he reiterated how his main goal was to have (laughs) his 1995 hammer attack conviction overturned. He still can't get over it. Still explaining again that Mike Hostillo misrepresented him and gave him poor advice, resulting in his pleading guilty to the offense that he was not guilty. (laughs) Oh, he, uh, I know. He, till, right to the right end. Right to the end. He also spoke of his daughter, Brittany, who was 14 at the time of his sentencing um, and who he had lost custody of, telling the judge it was because of that 1995 conviction. That, of that's why, why that mm-hmm, happened. Yep. And he said, I'm really sorry. Oh, he. the other thing is that the, um, the whole town, the, or the whole county, excuse me, was like shut down by this. Um, mm-hmm. It's Bullock County in Georgia. And so the media had kind of talked about, and the judge had talked about, like, this was an attack on our county. Right. You know, if you had exploded explosive oh, devices, sure. right, it right. would have 
done could have potentially done damage to the whole city, right. you know, things like that. And so he said, I'm really sorry it happened here. It wasn't an attack on Bullock County. But of course, the prosecutors yeah. disagreed with that. Um, and the, uh, the judge said the Browers held Statesboro under siege. Essentially, that was the city. Mm-hmm. And you can't overlook people doing that. Yeah, like you have yeah. to take all of that all into of consideration into as as well. And so even after the sentencing, <laughs> Derzadek refused to admit that he was wrong in kidnapping Mike Castillo. He never, ever thought what he did was wrong. And um, frankly, Connie didn't either because he he apologized for kidnapping the three secretaries, okay. but would not apologize for kidnapping Mike, Mike Castillo. And so the prosecutors are like, he just still doesn't get it. Yeah. And Connie doesn't either because she was like, I see now that we went about it the wrong way. Yeah. But she never actually says sorry, sorry for, for to kidna- Mike yeah. for kidnapping you yeah. or for the trauma. Maybe done it a little different. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, yeah, we went about it wrong. Like, <laughs> you mean... Kidnapping, kidnapping yeah. holding someone against right. their will. I mean, I guess yeah. technically it wasn't a kidnapping because they didn't take him off site, but they held him it's, against yeah, his I'd will. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, it's an unlawful imprisonment or however they describe yes, it. Yes, yeah. exactly. Now, in prison, I still have some more aftermath for you. In prison, Connie Brower underwent a religious con- um, conversion. Oh. Mm-hmm. She studies theology and she shares her cautionary tale. Really? Yep. She tells others... Think about not only what you're going to do to yourself, but to your family and what it could bring for years to come. She composed her thoughts and shared them on a prison ministry uh, volunteer website. Really? Mm -hmm. Yep. And I'm going to read it, guys. I'm going to read it to you to give you some insight here. And this is a direct quote, so here here it goes. Ow, I'm bleeding. Wow. I'm sitting here in my cell looking at the blood coming from my finger that I cut with a piece of paper. A paper cut. Imagine that. I'm a prisoner and I bleed. I remember when I was in the free world, I thought everyone behind bars was supposed to be there. That they were just an anonymous body. That they didn't deserve anything because they were really bad and they didn't matter. Good, they're off the streets. I mean, they are criminals, right? They don't hurt. They don't have feelings. And I have never thought of them as, I've never thought of them bleeding. Well, about 10 years ago, I learned something totally different. People behind bars do bleed. They do have feelings and they do hurt. And that, and that people behind bars are not just anonymous bodies. In this Georgia state prison, there are people who have done terrible things and many who didn't. Some are here for drugs others for murder, some in the wrong place at the wrong time situations, and others for aggravated assault. Yet, there are people who were party to the crime, and believe it or not, there are people in here who are totally innocent. Who would have thunk? <laughs> yeah. That's what it actually says. It says who would have yeah. thunk. <laughs> I feel like we're watching this woman have a self-realization that she's a human. Uh. I don't know what's happening here. She says, I cannot say really that I am glad I am in here away from my family and loved ones, but I can say that being here has opened my eyes to a lot of things. One of those things is that nothing that I could have done, oh, is that there was nothing that I could have done to make things better in the, ep- in, in the situation like I thought I could. Yeah. Wow. 
1999, my late husband committed suicide in the same room, same bed that I was in the day after Thanksgiving. The light was off. He was mad. I heard the gun go off and I jumped up out of bed to turn the light on and he was laying there helpless and, and jerkily shaking. It was very devastating and heart-wrenching. I tried so hard to keep him through all his suicide attempts, but the day he was diagnosed as being bipolar in 1994, um, oh, from the day, excuse me, from the day that he was diagnosed, this time I couldn't help no matter how hard I tried. In 2006, when my second husband, also bipolar, decided he couldn't take missing his daughter anymore and said he wanted to get justice from the lawyer who misrepresented him in court a decade or so earlier, he had written the president of the U.S. and others, but to no avail. He then decided to act upon it himself. So when he was going to go get justice from his lawyer, and if he didn't, he was going to commit suicide by cop, suddenly I couldn't see anything else but to be there with him so he didn't die and that no one else got hurt. I thought I could help. I certainly couldn't sit in front of the television watching to see my husband got, get shot. I did not want to lose another husband. I really did try to help Mr. Hostillo. He stated that he was diabetic and took pills twice a day. I tried to help by getting him his pills. They were brought to the scene, but they would not give them to him. So again, I felt uneasy. So it's the police fault. It's their, they yeah. brought the, his diabetic pills to him, but they would but not they would give not, them yeah. to me so that I it's, could give them to him. It's all their fault, yeah. There was nothing I could do for this man. That's what she says. One of my sisters asked me, Connie, what did you think was going to happen? What did you expect? I told her, I didn't think. I couldn't see beyond making sure I didn't bury another husband and concerned to see that no one else got hurt. Okay, but Connie, why'd you want to take one of the chicks? <laughs> right, like, right. Yeah. Robbie didn't want to take one yeah, of the girls. Yeah. You did. You wanted your own hostage, mm -hmm. yeah. I cannot begin to explain how remorseful I am of what the women in the office must have felt those 15 or 20 minutes before they were being released. I know they were scared because I was scared. I would have never even thought about doing anything like this before in my whole life, but I was just caught in this thing. I pray for these women. Okay. Okay, Connie. I know most people, most people think that people while incarcerated get jailhouse religion. And I can't say that they are totally wrong. I'm not religious, nor do I claim to be. What I am is a new creation in Christ. I thank God for allowing me to see what a grip um, codependency had on me. Good. Okay. Counseling has probably helped yeah, with that. Yeah, she's had, yeah. Uh-huh. And how the trauma I experienced with my first husband affected me with my second. Yep. Mm -hmm. I allowed God to change me and mold me. Here I am in prison in a, and a whole new world. I feel very blessed to have met some of the people in here. I am not sure if I have ever heard that God blesses people through people, but I believe that wholeheartedly. I've learned that there are wonderful women in here and also that there are volunteers who pray to come in and help us. I joined a group called Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, meaning, meaning God's time, and my eyes were again opened. The very first time I received a hug from a Kairos volunteer who not only gave her, me her time, but also her heart, I broke down and cried because everything in here is hard from the seats to the beds to the guards. So when you get some softness in any form, it penetrates the shields that we are forced to put up to guard our own hearts. I, that makes sense that, to me. Yeah, that was yeah. profound. I'll, I'll yeah, give that's, Connie that's that profound. one. That's pretty deep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. You're right. Everything is hard in there. I thank God that I'm able to see from an open heart, which I can, which cannot help but open my eyes. And then um, she said, Jesus said, there, there's a script, sure, but she said, blah, 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 blah. Um, 
Uh, she ended it. She just did a scripture, Matthew mm-hmm. 25, and then said, how blind I was. Mm-hmm. Whoa. So that's how Connie is spending her time her in time. prison. Robbie spent his time in prison, once again, exhausting his appeals. <laughs> yep, until 2020 when he died of causes that I could not find, nor do oh. I really care. Mm. Yeah, yep. Now, as for, so Derzotic's no longer with us. Yep. Connie has found some found. some profound thoughts and some religion in prison, so hopefully that's going well for her. And f- now on to Mike Hostillo. Okay, let's see what Mike's up to. Following the kidnapping, Hostillo naturally became the focus of media attention. Okay. He was even on Larry King Live. But once all the media frenzy went, you know, uh, settled down, he says, and I quote, I'm the kind of guy that believes everything happens for a reason. For this man to be that livid with me, to want to kill me and do what he did, I must have done something wrong here. In my first stint as a lawyer, I was arrogant and brash because I had a lot of success at a very young age. I was probably in the practice of law for the wrong reasons, financial gain and success. Success. I had lost my way. It changed everything. This time around, when I came back to it, my parents said, you have to practice law for the right reasons. You have to do it because you care about people and you want to help people. So now I have limited my practice to just doing personal injury. Before, I had 2,000 clients. Now I might have 200. It's a lot smaller. My whole perspective on life has changed. I'm a better me. I'm a better person. And I thank Robbie Brower for that. Maybe Hmm. this was God's way of saying, you better check your ego. Oh. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. I think that there might have been a little Stockholm Syndrome going on for their real. Or he's just, I mean, listen, as a social worker, there's a lot of things that I mentor people through that I don't agree with them doing, Mm -hmm. but I understand how they arrived at this decision making that has led them here. Right? Like, I don't condone it. I hope that I would have chosen differently as a human, but- I think for Mike, he's kind of like, wow, I treated this guy. And he he didn't give him bad legal advice, right? right? right. Yeah, he, yeah. But I think he kind of feels like, I guess I didn't hear this. I should have let him go through with the ju- jury trial, right? But, I mean, think about it. He, right. he gave him the advice of, do the five years, yeah, man. This is the five, best you're going to yeah. get. But maybe in seeing, like, uh, perhaps I should have just let him go through with the jury trial, let it land how it was going to land, and then he only had himself to blame. Right. Which, which he wouldn't have. He wouldn't A man have. like Robbie re- wouldn't have. He wouldn't have, unfortunately. Yes, but it's kind of changed his perspective yeah. on law, I think. Interesting. So, yes. So that is the case. That is very no interesting. No one died. I didn't bring nope. you any murder. No, I thought maybe somebody was going to. No, no, I know. No, it's been a really long time since we've done a case where there wasn't any there actual murder. Died. Now, the one we're about to record for the Patreons for mm. bonus episode is not the, not not the, the same. It's not the case. I, yeah, I can't, I can't say the same for that. But I do have a brain bath for you okay. that was sent to us by Patreon Brian before um, I let you go here okay. for this episode. S- the title really draws you in. Okay. Because if you saw this on your phone, you would have clicked it too. You'd be like, I should check this out. Mm-hmm. Man busted putting antiques up his butt and then back on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, uh, All right. And there is a lovely picture of a dude. You know, I can't verify that this is a dude's ass with the thong hanging out and a tramp stamp. 
Which, by the way, if you, I'm sorry that society calls them that. Trans if you, stamps, yeah, yeah, if you have a tattoo on your lower back, more power to you. I don't, but yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I grew up in the era where it was popular. Oh, so yeah, yeah. I was one decision away yep, from, you know, from joining that. Yeah. Well, this is the article. Um, it says, well, if you're looking for another reason to be a homeboy, or excuse me, a homebody and never leave the house, we've got you covered. A man in Texas was busted putting antiques up his butt before putting them back on the shelf. Can you imagine having to shop for items after that? Are you telling me anything I grab at my local store? Could have butt juice on it. Could have been up somebody's ah. butt. Yes. What, so, kind of anti- what was he putting up his butt? Oh, I think we get to it here okay. in Spring, Texas. Uh, the whole thing was captured on surveillance footage oh, in an antique weird. store in Spring, Texas. In the video, the male customer is wearing a kilt and ah. concealing items under his clothes before returning them back to the shelf. <laughs> According to Fox 26 Houston, Susan Golden, the manager of the Antique Gallery of Houston, said, quote, I had to watch it a couple of times to be sure I knew what I was looking at, end quote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Golden says in two decades of running the store, she's never seen anything like this. Thank God. Well, so yeah. it's not that yeah. common. Good. Y- y- yeah, that's something where somebody's shoving stuff up their butt. And you're like, oh, God, uh, not again. Another one? Yeah. yeah. The cameras spotted him doing this in several sections of the store after it was brought to management's attention by um, a dealer, meaning an antique dealer. Right. The items are estimated to be worth close to $200. Whoa. Turns out he wasn't alone. He was joined in the store by a female companion, the two of them reportedly spent hours in the store but didn't make any purchases. Okay. Mm. So it looks like he has a thing for doing this in antique shops in the area. Oh, so that, okay. Oh, God, he's a habitual offender. Really? Oh, gosh. Fox 26 Houston reports that he has been spotted in other antique stores in Galveston and Tomball. The shop has removed the items from the shelves and has sanitized the gallery. <laughs> Thank you. Good. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Yep. Yep. Uh, he. Oh, they. There is a video. Um, oh. Yes. So uh, th- that is good. He was identified. He was arrested. And so now, if he would like to shove things up his butt, he's going to have to do he, it in in different it, parts. So yeah. did he ever say why? I think we know why, Wes. <laughs> well, I don't think we uh, need yeah, to hear his. No. Listen, a lot of people like to go to antique shops because they can feel the energy, you know, from the old um, owners okay. of the things. So Maybe. I, I think that he's just like, what's the best orifice to absorb? To abs- the well, energy? yeah, if you're going to get the energy. Yep, of great grandma June who owned this candlestick. Yeah, before, before okay. now. I, I don't know. That's just one theory <laughs> it, I have. It's a good theory. But, okay, I think we all know that this is their their sexy little kink. Oh, yeah, yeah. That they go and do together and then go home and have themselves but, an amazing time, I'm like, sure. Yeah, I just, yeah. I, he was not trying to like steal their them. Home, like, think about this, guys. He wasn't he trying wasn't to steal anything. He wasn't trying to steal anything. it. This was all. He wanted to was, defile it. Oh. <sighs> While pleasuring himself. And then she's getting into it, too. Yeah. My God. That's just weird. Women need to... Why do we follow men around in their ideas? Like, you're like, I you know mean, what men I, follow women, Like, too. you're like, yeah, you're you're home and, you know, you're you're doing normal sex stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I really get into? Yeah, yeah. I'd like to go to the antique store and <laughs> shove stuff up my butt. 
Yeah, and She's put like, it back on the shelf. And then put it back on the shelf. I don't want to steal. Yeah, I'm not stealing it. I'm not a criminal. <laughs> but I don't want to steal it. I'm a free spirit. Yes. I like to experiment. I'm I, open to different things, but I'm not a thief. I'm not a thief. <laughs> I mean, that is crossing a line. But I do get off and on the fact that... And the kilt makes sense, because then you got sure, easy access. Sure. That I mean, that was some forward thinking. You know, we call that premeditation. I'll tell you what, you'd have to be relaxed. Like, you'd have to not tense up. <laughs> One would think. Also, what... there. What items? Uh, that's How many I, of those items in an antique shop could one fit in uh, one's that's butthole? The thing. I'm, yeah. Uh, you said candlestick. That that probably would be accurate. That was the first antique thing that I could think of. But, yeah. you know, there's a lot of sphincter explore, exploration that happens. <laughs> I, I don't know uh, <laughs> what else there could have been. He, he certainly wasn't getting old records up there. No, no, no. Oh, my God. I just had a, oh, my God antique silverware oh and then people oh eat off it oh. no they just put it in a cabinet right why? i think most times i people, don't know why people even, collect antiques do they use that or are they just a conversation piece oh my god oh, like spoons and yes look at this butter. 1920s spoon may or may not have been up a so white man's ass <laughs> Jewelry. Oh, jewelry. Necklaces. Necklace, mm-hmm. girl. Now Her, we know. Yeah. And then an uh, unsuspecting woman is wearing oh, it to, you know, it's got, a gala. Like I said, it's got butt juice on it. It does. Oh. Yeah, you don't wash jewelry no. before yeah. you put it on. I mean, at least I don't. I'm going to now. Yeah, Let's yeah, be clear. Yeah, yeah. My pearl necklace is going to get lots of wash. I'm, try, I'm just trying to think all the things I see in antique, you know, when we go to the antique, like. The Daisy Rider BB guns. I don't know why that's stuck in my oh, head. Oh, shoot. I mean, and that's got a little... What if there is a BB that, that was not, you know, taken out of there, wasn't properly cleaned? That could be dangerous. Could be very dangerous. I don't think it'd kill you, but it would certainly hurt. <laughs> and that's a tough one to explain at the emergency room. <laughs> the stories they have. Yeah. I was randomly uh, held hostage on TikTok watching a uh, ER nurse uh, extract a live snake out of a man's ass. Oh. So, yeah, they... There's some crazy stuff that happens there. No, thank you. This is why I'm a podcaster and a social worker. <laughs> yeah, people. please don't. Yep, yep. Yeah, so so thanks, Brian, for that story. Yes, Although now I feel like anything remotely phallic shape or yeah. small enough to fit up one sphincter, I now have to clean, clean yes. when I get and home. Next time, I, the wife and I, we occasionally will go antiquing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to... Probably bring it up in the store. Oh, you're gonna. Yeah. yeah. Like, hey. <laughs> do you want to know yeah, what some people do? You know what do? some people do? And then I'll be like, are you into that? <laughs> Just to see what Just she Just to see says. what the reaction yes. is. I'm guessing I'll spend the rest of the trip in the car. More yeah, than likely. Yeah. Also, probably going to use one of your favorite lines against you of, were you not hugged enough as a child, <laughs> Wes? Why would you want to do that? Thank you. And I don't, we're very clear on this podcast. We don't kink stink, or excuse me, we don't stink kinks. But please keep your kinkiness to yourself. Don't affect other people, unsuspecting people. You want to purchase some things, take them home, do weird stuff. Consent is everything. Yeah. Come on, guys. The general public shouldn't be made victim by your. Right. Can you imagine watching this guy do that? And you're just like. Hmm. Uh, I know. What do you say? Wes, I want you to put yourself in that position. The, the, the guy putting the... <laughs> I knew you were going to ask. Like, the, no. like I'm the dude doing nope, it? Nope. Oh. You're the guy. You're witnessing it. Do you I just go I'd to management like, or do you approach him? I'd be like, dude, are you going to buy that? 
Yeah, yeah. Like you do <laughs> yeah, you, boo. Yeah. But, but you're you going to purchase that, right? Yeah, you can't put it back on the shelf. No. Mm-mm. Uh, yeah. I'd be like, ooh. We're all going to watch people more closely now in the store. I guarantee. <laughs> you're welcome, everyone. You're welcome. Uh, well, thank you, Wes. Well, thank and you. for the whole population, you know, the tens and tens of people who listen to this. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> we actually have quite a wonderful listener base. So yeah. thank you, everybody, for hanging in today and hope you enjoyed this episode. And yay, no one died. Yes. Lots of trauma, but yay. no one died. Yeah. That's great. Well, except for Robbie. And that's 2020. Uh, Might have been prison COVID. I yeah. don't know. But could it, it, he could have, you know, happen peacefully sometime. in his sleep. Could have been, yes. Could have, been. Could have mouthed off to the wrong person. Yeah. Who knows? But anyway, you know, that was beyond our control. Right. Yes. So we hope you all have a great day and that you keep it curious and keep listening. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye. You got to say bye-bye. Oh, bye-bye. There you go. <laughs>